Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come and Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Series 2, Episode 224 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we begin our new week of study in the Come Follow Me materials for the Book of Mormon. Uh, We are in August 10th to August 16th, covering Alma 53 to 63, preserved by his marvellous power. Now today we're going to jump through Alma 53 and a bit of Alma 54. We're focusing, uh, to begin with, with the um, stripling warriors, the army of Helaman uh, in Alma 53, mainly verses 10 to 22, uh, titled, As I exercise faith in God, he will bless me by his marvellous power. But we are going to discuss a couple of things around that section as well, uh, because the uh, the manual uh, for the Come Follow Me Myths this week only really focuses focuses on two main events. That is the um, the, the rise of the army of Helaman and who they are, and then also the um, discussion between Moroni, Captain Moroni and, and Pahoran, which we'll discuss later in the week. But there are a few other things I want to point out in, in between those um, examples as well. Namely, first of all, after these battles we've spoken about, um, there seems to be a bit of a pause in these battles for a year or so. And what does Captain Moroni do? Well, he continues strengthening the fortifications. In fact, he brings the um, the prisoners of war that he um, they've managed to capture, uh, and he uses them to to build these fortifications even stronger. Um, in verse five, um, we read about how they've built the land bountiful with strong walls of timber and earth. And in verse five, it says, "And this city became an exceeding stronghold ever after." And in this city they did guard the prisoners of the Lamanites, yea, even within a wall which they had caused them to build with their own hands. Now Moroni was compelled to cause the Lamanites to labour, because it was easy to guard them while at their labour, and he desired all his forces when he should make an attack uh, upon the Lamanites. So he basically used the, the prisoners to, to build these fortifications stronger. And we should seek to um, to have our you know weaknesses be be put away that we need, we need to focus on them and work on them so that these these fortifications can be built it's it's good to build strong fortifications by reading and praying and going to church and and everything like that but we also need to work and specifically target our own weaknesses so that we can then build up fortifications around those specifically as well um a couple of quotes I want to share with this. President Henry B. Eyring said, quote, As the forces around us increase in intensity, whatever spiritual strength was once sufficient will not be enough. And whatever growth in spiritual strength we once thought was possible, greater growth will be made available to us. Both the need for spiritual strength and the opportunity to acquire it will increase at rates which we underestimate at our peril. Close quote. I love that quote because he clearly understands, as Moroni did, Captain Moroni did about the need to consistently build these fortifications. We read about building these fortifications just at the end of the last section in in Alma 50. There was a great building of fortifications and surely if it was able to, you know, fend off the Lamanites once, then they they could just leave it and still, and it would still work. But of course, Captain Moroni understood that they had to evolve. They had to change those fortifications to make them even stronger. They could not rest with what they had. And we should have to be the same with our spiritual fortifications Maybe, you know, we've overcome certain things in our lives and we think, you know, that those fortifications have worked well. I'm, I'm okay with that now. You know, that's not what we need. That's not what, what we should do. We need to build them further. Uh, David E. Sorensen also said, quote, Remember, such fortifications are not a sign of weakness. On the contrary, they show strength. 
The scriptures tell us Captain Moroni was so strong that if all men would be like him, the very powers of hell would be shaken forever. Remember Moroni's strongholds were the key to his success. Creating your own strongholds would be the key to yours. One key fortification you can decide you can build is to decide now, before you face a challenge, where to draw the line. Our prophet teaches that if we decide now, decide now not to watch inappropriate media but, media, but instead to walk away, the challenge is behind us. Close quote. Life is about choices and building up these fortifications so that when those choices come, we are ready for them, not just making those decisions and choices reflexively or reactively. We need to be proactive in building up the defences and preparations for when those times come, because they will come and they will be difficult to resist. Um, now, we know that the, that the Nephites, are what a major problem that, um, that caused these wars was their own dissensions and divisions within them. I mean, the instigator of this entire warfare, Amalekiah, was himself a dissenter from the Nephites, as was his brother, Amaron, who we, who is the leader of the Lamanite armies now. And um, in verse 9, it said, um, Mormon says, And thus, because of iniquity amongst themselves, yea, because of dissensions and intrigue among themselves, they were placed in the most dangerous circumstances. So they had built all of these great fortifications, but there were problems within the ranks of the Nephites. Uh, K. Douglas Bassett said this, quote, Mormon views the conflicts between the Nephites and Lamanites from a spiritual context. There is no mention here of the superior military strength of the Lamanites as a reason for their advantage in battle, but it comes from the dissensions among the Nephites. This message is consistent throughout the whole Book of Mormon. The Lord defended the Nephites, or his covenant people, when they were righteous. Hugh Nibley has observed, the Lamanites were not the Nephite problem. They were merely kept there to remind the Nephites of their real problem, which was to walk uprightly before the Lord. Close quote. And yeah, it's true. You know, we see when there is pride, when there is difficulty, when there is dissensions or divisions among the Nephites, that's when their problems really begin. And it's the Lamanites, that obviously, that that physically is manifest, but it comes and happens and is allowed to take place and have an impact on them because of their choices. So then we move into Alma 5310, uh, and we go back to the people of Ammon, who are considering um, breaking their covenants. Uh, these are the people, many chapters ago now, that we read about, who had laid down their weapons of war, that they would never take them up again. But of course, they look around and they see that, you know, these Nephites who have been protecting them this whole time are being slain in, in, their, in their numbers, and they want to help, they want to support. But of course, they've made this covenant. And so uh, this is a real problem. Um, Elder Richard G. Scott said this, quote, The Nephites protected them for many years, but eventually the Nephites' army began to wear, wear down, and reinforcements were gravely needed. The people of Ammon were at a critical moment of their spiritual lives. They had been true to their covenant never to take up arms, but they understood that fathers are responsible to protect, provide protection to their families. That need seemed great enough to merit consideration of breaking their covenant, close quote. Now, obviously, um, we know that Helaman uh, stops them. He desires them not to break this covenant. Um, in verse 14, it says, But behold, as they were about to take their weapons of war, they were overpowered by the persuasions of Helaman and his brethren, for they were about to break the oath which they had made. So this isn't just, a, oh, you know, let's an, an idle chat about this. And, and then they decided, no, we really shouldn't. They were about to pick those weapons up and go into battle. Um but Helaman um, manages to persuade them not to. Um, and then, of course, we read about how their sons had not entered this covenant because either they were too young or perhaps they were not 
um, even there to make that covenant at that moment in time when the covenant was made. Um, and and now these um, 2,000 young men uh, wanted to enter into a covenant to take their weapons of war. So it's ironic, really, that these young men, uh, in verse 18, it says, uh, Now behold, there were 2,000 of those young men who entered into this covenant and took their weapons of war to defend their country. And this covenant is explained in verse 17, where they would fight for the liberty of the Nephites, yea, to protect the land unto the laying down of their lives. And they covenanted that they would never give up, give up their liberty. It's, it's ironic and uh, poetic almost that their fathers made a covenant to lay down their weapons of war for liberty and peace. And then their sons took up their weapons of war for liberty and for, and for peace. It, and I, I don't know, it just, it seems really poetic and um, beautiful that these sons recognized the moments that they would have to you know make this covenant and what's interesting to me as well is that it this is clearly out of pure intent pure intentions i should say and pure motives these aren't lay these aren't people who enjoyed warfare these are people who enjoyed you know the, the battles and, and and or had a, a thirst for blood um you know these were people who let's not forget their fathers their parents had raised them with this ideal, with this, you know, this value that they would never take up their weapons of war. It's not like they would have been taught or trained by their by their fathers or their parents, because, well, they their fathers and parents didn't have any weapons of war at all. So these are young men who, and I think sometimes we often imagine these stripling warriors as being, you know, well trained and and everything like this, but actually. You know, until they decided to take up this covenant, they wouldn't have had any training from their parents because they wouldn't have had weapons of war in the first place. Uh, and so, you know, it's just amazing to consider their faith uh, and trust in the Lord, which we'll learn about uh, tomorrow as we consider where this faith came from for these stripling warriors. I think we'll leave it there as we've reached around the 10 minute mark. So thank you very much for listening today. Um, it's always a pleasure to share what I've been studying and I'd love to hear what you've been studying. You can share it on the Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with um, with Come Follow Me. Or of course, there is uh, the um, email, which you can email at ldsstudysession at gmail.com. That's ldsstudysession at gmail.com. You can email there if you've got any feedback or if you would just uh, like to share some comments or thoughts about what you've been studying. I'd love to hear from listeners. It always gives me a great boost. Uh, and also, if you'd like to be joined with me on a future podcast episode, you are more than welcome to email and let me know as well. Just ping me an email saying I'm interested in, in uh, joining with you one, one episode and we'll set something up on Zoom and uh, it'll be great. Thank you for listening today and until we meet again. <laughs>